Welcome to the Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. Here you'll learn everything you need to know to be a successful real estate entrepreneur and achieve the financial freedom you've always wanted. We talk with real experts about their experiences, their accomplishments, and more importantly, how you can learn from their mistakes so you can jumpstart your business and fortify your strategic alliances. There's no BS, no fluff, zero guru talk, just real real estate knowledge. Let's get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Greg again with Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros, and today I have an awesome guest with me, as usual. Today I have Steve Cook with me, and Steve is with Life and Air. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Greg, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I just love the fact that you call this Flipping Like the Pros because that was sort of just the name of something I had just put together, so it's appropriate for me to be on here with your podcast with that right now. Perfect. So Steve, tell us where you're from, you know, a little bit about your family life and stuff like that. So the Alliance knows who you are and what you do. I will. Um, I am currently from a little town in Wisconsin. Uh, This is not where I uh, have always lived. It's not where I started my investing career, but I I actually got started with real estate investing back in Baltimore, Maryland, Uh, invested there for many years before I made the move uh, to small town, Wisconsin, where I am with my wife and my kids. Uh, I do have five children. My two oldest are out of the home, uh, but my children are 29, 19, 12, 10, and 7. I am very, very blessed with my wife. She's just an incredible lady who has come alongside of me and, and all that I have done. And, you know, we moved here to Wisconsin to just really slow down. I I was an extremely busy real estate investor back in Baltimore doing a a high volume of deals. I've done right in the neighborhood of about 600 deals in my investing career. And uh, today I still am investing, still am an active real estate investor, but uh, I do much less. But at the same time, I probably do as well or better than I did with high volume back in Baltimore. So uh, it's, we, we live a very blessed life here and uh, very thankful. One of the best moves I ever made. Very good. Very good. So how did you get introduced to real estate and real estate investing? Well, as a young kid, I had this entrepreneurial spirit and always wanted to go into business for myself. And I had pursued uh, going into business. I had started reading, you know, real estate investing books and creative real estate investing. And, you know, as a kid who didn't have any money, things like no money down techniques were important to me. As I pursued those different techniques, uh, I started trying to apply them. And uh, I I bought a a restaurant when I was 21 using creative techniques. And I didn't learn my lesson the first time around and bought (laughs) another restaurant when I was 25. And, uh, that time, you know, it really took its toll on me. And I I ended up coming out of there deep in the hole. I was uh, deep in debt. I was tired. Uh, My credit was completely shot after, you know, failing there in the restaurant business the second time around. But it was then when I looked back and I just said, you know, what I really wanted to be was a real estate investor. And I used all those techniques to buy restaurants. And I bought a job. I didn't buy an investment. And I got really deep into pursuing real estate investing after that. And I just knew that all those techniques I had employed, I was doing the wrong thing with it and I needed to apply it the right way. And uh, that's, that's where I just got this real desire to go deep into real estate investing. Okay. So tell us about 
you know, you did that. So, but you wanted to go into real estate investing. Tell us a little about your first deal, how, how, you, how, how it came about. What were some of the kind of the mechanics of the deal and uh, some of the details you can remember? Well, I, I was, I can clearly remember it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I, and I hope that what I share is an encouragement to, to many people. Uh, so as I, I was uh, getting started, I mean, I got to tell you, I had all the doubts. I had all the fears. Um, there was a part of me that kept telling myself that I couldn't do it from the position that I was in. No job, no income, deep in debt. Um, I didn't, my credit was completely shot. And the thought of being able to invest in real estate just seemed absolutely impossible uh, for me at the moment. But there was this glimmer of hope that I was holding on to, and I, I just kept on pursuing it. And I, I, I know that there were many times I was ready to give up, but I didn't. And I, I believe that it would happen. So I started out with studying, really studying and trying to figure out what was a way that I could invest. And as I went through, uh, I, you know, I finally came across something that where they said, you didn't have to have money. You didn't have to have credit. You didn't have to have anything, uh, you know, no experience or anything like that. And so I just, you know, looked further into that. And this thing was called wholesaling and wholesale flipping. And I said, you know, I'm qualified for that because I don't have money. I don't have a job. I don't have credit. And uh, so this is the thing that I'm going to pursue. And uh, I went off and I just started trying to find that first wholesale deal. And it, it seemed very elusive to me. Uh, for everybody who is listening, please hear me out here. It took me eight months of constantly pursuing that first deal before I did come across my first one. And I know that for some people, they've been pursuing it longer than that. And there's other people who gave up well before eight months. It didn't happen overnight for me. It took me a while to actually get it. And once I did find that first deal, I was off to the races because, um, uh, without going into a whole lot of detail, I found that next one. And then I bought a house a week, every week for the next, you know, nine years or so. I averaged over 50 deals a year wow. after that. And it didn't take me a week longer to find my second deal. And another, within the next week, I had my third deal. And, and I was just, uh, it was like a light bulb went off. And I had just completely understood what it was that I was looking for. But it took me eight months to find that first one. And I'll share the story with you real quickly. Sure. Um, I was looking through the classified ads all the time because, you know, we didn't have the internet to do searches back then. And uh, it was 1998. And uh, I found a house that was relatively cheap. It was advertised for $70,000. And where I lived, $70,000 was a cheap home because most of the things were 110, 120,000. But this was in an area that I had never been to before, and I decided I would go look at it. And so I drove about 15 miles to go see this home, and I get there, and it's not quite as nice as the area where I was used to, where things started at 110 to 120. But the only way that I knew to check values at that time was to drive around the neighborhood and look for other stuff that was for sale and call up and see how much they wanted for those properties. And so I would drove around this neighborhood and there was another house for sale down the block. And I went and I called up on that house. And when I got on the phone with the real estate agent, I asked him, I said, well, I'm standing in front of this home at four Chardon court. How much are you asking for it? And he said, well, I got good news for you. We were asking 65,000 and we just reduced the price to 45. Now I was excited about the house for 70. And this guy's now telling me that they got one for $45,000. So 
I, I get I get really excited about it. And I asked him, I said, how soon can I see it? And this was around noon. And he told me he could be there at three o'clock to show me the house. Now, as a beginning investor, I believed at that time that the big guys who had an in were going to beat me to this deal in the next three hours. And, you know, I had all these different things, all these fears and stuff in my mind. And so I ran to McDonald's to go get lunch and I came back to the house and I sat in front of the house the whole time because if somebody else was going to come look at that house, I was going to tell them it was sold and uh, <laughs> try to chase them away. But that was my fear kicking in. And uh, so then this real estate agent, he comes on up at three o'clock as he said he would. And I get on out and I shake his hand and uh, I hand him my business card that says I buy houses cash. But, you know, I didn't have any cash. And uh, uh, he, he goes in and he goes to try to open up the door and the door is the screen door sort of stuck. And he just looks at me sort of sheepishly and he grabs onto the handle with two hands and he's yanking on it. And then he finally puts his foot up on the wall and he just jerks the door to get it open and i was thinking hmm, interesting <laughs> you know then he goes and he opens up the door and while i'm standing there this door opens up and this cloud of stink this smell that comes rolling out of the house is one of the worst smells i had ever smelled in my entire life and uh i didn't want to go inside of it and i look inside there's no carpet on the floors but the wood floors are all stained and so there's holes in the walls. All the walls are painted different colors. And he's like, come on in. And <laughs> I follow him in reluctantly. And I'm just like sick to my stomach. And I couldn't believe I just waited three hours to see this house. And he shows me around. And I was even hesitant to go up the steps. I thought that they might come crashing in underneath me and things like that. But long story short, I told him, you know, thanks for showing me the house. I'll get back to you. And um, I wasn't going to do anything with it. And, uh, you know, I had never seen anything or experienced anything like that before. I never smelled a house like that before. I never saw a house that dirty before. And I was just really turned off by it. You know, I knew I was in the business of buying fixer-uppers, but I don't think I understood at that time what a fixer-upper was. In fact, I know I didn't. But I was very fortunate I got together with another guy for breakfast on a regular basis who was also a beginning real estate investor. He had already done two deals and I was trying to get my first one. And I had to check in with him and tell him, you know, I said, man, I thought I almost had one this week. So he said, tell me about it. So I told him about it. He said, are you going to buy it? I said, no, I'm not going to buy it. So he said, well, tell me where it is. I'll go get it. And then that made me think, no, you're not. So I decided I would go ahead and I would make an offer on that house. So I called up the real estate agent after, you know, with my pad and paper, and I'm sitting there trying to figure out what to offer for it. And, you know, I had been told by so many people that uh, most of the time they would take a 10% discount off a list price. I mean, that, this was just something that people were saying. So honestly, I offered $38,000 or uh, $36,000. I'm sorry, I offered $36,000, 20% off a list price. And uh, I did that. And I'm being honest, I was hoping that they would turn me down. I, I just wanted to be able to tell my friend I made an offer and that uh, I followed through, but I didn't really want to buy the house. So I, I call up the agent, I tell him 36000 and a day later he calls me back and he says, Steve, I have great news for you. And I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> and he says, They're not, they won't take 36000 but they'll take 38000 And I was like, just so relieved because I knew I didn't have to buy it. And so 
I get together with my friend again, and he says, so what happened? And I said, well, I offered 36. And they said, no, they would take 38. He said, are you going to buy it? I said, no. He said, well, tell me where it is. I'll go get it. <laughs> like, ah. So I call up the agent the next day, and I told him, yes, I'll, I'll take the home. And uh, we get together to go sign the contract, and I, I scraped up all the money I had. I had $200, and it was in cash. And I get together with him, and I, I say, here's my earnest money deposit. And he said, um, we typically expect more than that as earnest money on a house. And I said, well, that's my company policy. We don't ever do more than that. And uh, he accepted it, and, the, nice. and the, the sellers accepted it, and I had put it under contract with a $200 deposit. And uh, long story short, within the next week, I had three people who wanted to participate in that deal on some level, whether it was me wholesaling it to them, whether it was them putting the money up or partnering with me. And uh, I learned a whole lot from that. It was a few things I learned. One, I learned what a fixer-upper was. <laughs> um, and at the end of the day, that house was easy. I mean, compared to stuff I have bought since then, that house was actually in really good shape. It just smelled bad. But I also learned that money was very easy to get because I had people throwing money at me within the next week. And as a broke guy who thought money was the hardest part of the business, I quickly learned how easy the money part of this business was when you had a good deal. So... That was my first deal, and I was off to the races ever since. So, Steve, I got to say, I, we've had probably 30, 30 guests on this podcast or so. That might be the best first deal story we've had on this show. <laughs> so, uh, there's a couple things I want you guys as the Alliance to go back and listen to and, and remember. Steve had a lot of great golden nuggets in that, that story. And the first one, that, especially if you guys are just getting started, is that it took him eight months. It will probably take you close to the same amount unless you have a huge amount of money in your marketing budget to go find those off-market deals through direct mail, pay-per-click ads, whatever medium you want to go after. But guys, this is not a get-rich-quick type of a business. Yes, you can, but that's not the idea behind it. This is a get-rich-long-term type business. So uh, eight months is, is, uh, is a good thing to start any business, you know, start turning a profit, wouldn't you say? Uh, I would say so. It, yeah. turned, it changed my life. Exactly. So those of you that are struggling, just keep pushing, keep pushing through it. It's hard. We all know it, but the, the light is at the end of the tunnel. There is a reward at the end, guys. So just keep pushing through. Another thing that he said is, <laughs> is that it just takes persistence and just keep pushing, you know, keep doing it. And uh, sometimes it takes that mentor or that friend that pushes you to, uh, to take those action steps, even to get over your fear. And that's a lot of what you guys have right now is the fear of failing rather than the feel of the fear of succeeding. So uh, you just have to get over that stuff too. And, and hiring coaches and mentors is the way to, to do that for sure. All right. So Steve, tell us a little bit about your niche now, because you've, you've moved on to a different type of thing. So tell us a little bit about life and air and what that really means. Well, life and air is more of a philosophy for living than it is a type of real estate investing. True, true. And uh, what we do through life and air is really help people to uh, first of all decide why, why are you doing this in the first place whether it's real estate investing or any business our goal is to help people to identify the why and when they can identify the why that helps them to overcome all of their fears it helps them to pursue the right thing uh, you know for instance i'm going to tie this to real estate investing uh, there's two things that really hold people back from becoming successful in the real estate investing niche uh, one uh, is they don't know exactly why they're doing it. If, if people are pursuing real estate investing just for the money, uh, I tell them, look, do something you like, do something you enjoy. 
and, and go out and pursue that. Um, you know, real estate investing does come with its, its challenges and it comes with its joys and it can be fun and it can be very lucrative. But if you're doing it only for the money, you're not going to be willing to get out of your comfort zone uh, just to do things that you don't enjoy doing uh, in order to make money. Most of us will just get a job and we'll do that. And as long as our bills are getting paid, we won't get out of our comfort zone. But when you have a passion that's uh, even bigger than real estate and why real estate investing needs to be successful for you, you'll jump through hoops. You'll go through the hurdles. And, you know, so for instance, uh, I didn't just look at how much money real estate investing could make me. I looked at the lifestyle um, from the perspective of how I could be free to do the things that I wanted to do, how I could be free to spend time with my daughter and how I could be free to be able to serve other people. And by being successful in real estate investing, I could do those things. And so my why was huge. The other thing then, once I understood why I was doing it, I had to then take into consideration uh, what was going to get me there. And the fact of the matter is, I mean, there were tons of people teaching me how to be a landlord and how to buy properties with no money down. But had a, if I would have started out pursuing being a landlord, that would have been the wrong field for me. Um, it would not have helped me to get to where I needed to get to. $200 a month or $150 a month in positive cash flow on a property was not going to change my life. It wasn't going to set me free. The process would have been way too long uh, for me to get to where I needed to get to, to live the life that I wanted to live. And you know, at that time in my life, wholesaling was the right business for me. Now, many people think wholesaling is where everybody should start. And I don't agree with that. Uh, I don't agree that there's a one size fits all for everybody. Right. Um, in fact, I, I've just been dealing with a guy right now who is extremely frustrated for three years. You know, he hired coaches and everybody and everybody told him he needed to start out wholesaling. And in only about 10 minutes of discussion with him, I said, you don't have the time to pursue wholesaling. Mm. You don't have the, the resources to be able to compete with the guys who are doing this. You've got a full-time job that makes you over six figures a year. You're putting a lot of hours in there. You need to take your excess income and invest it into something like rehabbing or potentially a rental property, depending upon what your goals are. If your goals are to free you from the job that you have right now, we got to figure out how do you get three or four rehabs done a year that replace your income. Not how do you do 100 wholesale deals a year to replace your income because there's not enough hours in the day for you to locate that many deals. And so oftentimes I feel that, uh, you know, one of the things that we do at Lifener is help people to find the right niche for them. What's the one that's going to fit the vision that they have for their life and help them to accomplish their goals? Because there are so many different ways to make money in real estate investing and plugging yourself into the right way is, is how you find success. Trying to emulate, you know, me or someone else who has had success isn't necessarily the right path for you. And uh, so we're, we're very, very particular about helping people to find what's the right path for them and then guiding them down that path. So I, I hope that that makes sense. That does make sense. Absolutely. Do you have a question you just can't seem to find the answer to? Need to bounce ideas off a trusted expert? Do you want suggestions on how to improve your existing business strategy and real estate investing? Or do you wish you could get advice from a real estate expert that's been there and done that? Go to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me and book a free coaching call with me today. You'll have exclusive one-on-one -on -one time to go over whatever it is you need in order to propel your business to the next level. 
Again, that's gregscoaching.youcanbook.me to book your free 15-minute coaching call. If I can just add, because you were asking what is my niche, you know, as I made my move to Wisconsin, I have to tell you, as a guy who was doing 50 to 60 deals a year back in Baltimore, I believe that when I made my move that I left my best earning years behind me. And I thought, you know, there's no way I'll ever be able to do this again. And I moved to a town with 12,000 people. Uh, literally today, there might be 40 houses available in the MLS uh, where I, you know, back in Baltimore, I was dealing with thousands and thousands of houses in the MLS uh, on a regular basis. Now there's like 40. Uh, I had to come up with a new niche. And my niche today is new construction. And uh, the, for me to be able to find uh, a slew of deals that could keep me busy in this little town is just not the niche that will get me to where I want to get to. Uh, there might be a half a dozen uh, flippers in this town who are competing for four deals a year. And wow. so I just said, I'm not going to compete with those guys. I'm going to build houses and I'm going to, uh, you know, create the new product here in town. And honestly, you know, I've seen my best earning years come after moving from the big metropolitan area to this little town. And so, you know, with that, I can share with anybody who is listening that we can't make any excuse. You know, we, I can't say that well, because I'm in a little town, I can't be successful. I, I've experienced greater success in the little town than I did in the big metropolitan area. And, you know, then sometimes people say, well, you know, in the big metropolitan areas, there's tons of competition. Well, when I was in Baltimore, I had thousands of people that I was competing against, and I didn't worry about that. I just went out there and made sure I got my fair share of deals. And, uh, you know, I ended up becoming probably the most well-known investor in the Baltimore area, in spite of the fact that there were thousands of us. And uh, I didn't let that get in my way. In fact, I did everything I could to help all the others and just made sure I got my fair share. Mm -hmm. So... Steve, you, you've done a, it seems like you've done a little bit of everything uh, when it comes to real estate. What do you think that your key adjustment you might have made, or what was that key adjustment you made in your business that catapulted you to the next level? You know, the first time that I made that big adjustment was I really evaluated everything that I was doing. I had evaluated, you know, a couple of years worth of deals. And, you know, I was fortunate. I had a lot of them to evaluate. And I took what my best deals were. And I took up my worst deals where, and I just looked at them and, and came to realize that all of my best deals had something in common. And then all of my worst deals had something in common. And I just made a decision that all of those worst deals that had things in common, I was never going to do that again because it never worked out. But the deals that had something in common, I was going to make sure that every one of my deals had that element in it moving forward. And for me, as a wholesaler at the time, the key component was that I had control of the deal. Um, my, my buyers were using my lenders. My buyers were using my title companies. At that time, whenever I allowed somebody to use their title company or use a lender that I did not know, the likelihood of those deals falling apart increased tremendously. And then when I finally just said, well, my new policy is that when you want to purchase a house from me, you have to use my title company and you have to use my lender or demonstrate to me that you actually do have the cash. It transformed my business. Now all of my deals settled on time. They became more profitable. You know, when those deals fell apart prior to, I got desperate and I took much smaller profits just to get the deals done. But now that all my deals started closing and I started making what I should have made on all of my deals, it opened everything up and my 
business transformed. It was almost overnight. I mean, the, the difference was uh, the moment I implemented all those policies, I started making in one month what I was making in an entire year before then. And it, it completely changed everything around. But uh, I also just really focus on doing the same thing over and over. I'm not a believer in having the full toolbox of methods. Um, I got good at one thing and did that one thing over and over and over again. I wish I could ring a really, really big bell right now to like, like hammer home that point that you made about you controlling all aspects of the deal, because I would agree 1000% that shift that we made as well made us has made us so much more money, a lot less headaches because we know the process and how it works. And by having that specific title company that we always use, it is a requirement to use our title company. It's amazing. Like <laughs> just, just that one thing with the title company alone has saved me so much aspirin or ibuprofen <laughs> because my goodness, when you're using the wrong title company or the wrong lender, like you said, things can go south really, really quickly. And you're right. I've done that before. It's the same thing. I'd end up taking less of a deal or less of a wholesale fee to uh, compensate for that. So yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so I, I just recommend for anybody who, especially if you're already in the business and you've established those relationships, start to establish those kinds of policies around the good relationships that you have. And for those of you who are just getting started, get on out and build the right team of people. Uh, and don't be shy to ask other investors who they're using. Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to have a learning curve or trying to train people. Use the, use the best people in town who are already used to this business. Absolutely. And that's why I named the following of this podcast, The Alliance, because that's how we build our businesses on those strategic alliances that we, uh, we've built here. And I'm sure like you guys have built up there, you know, it's just all part of your team and your team can make or break you being a profitable real estate investor. Sure, it can be, like you said before, it could be any type of business. If you don't have the right team involved, you're just going to keep treading water. You're never going to be profitable. Absolutely. So what's the one thing you know now, Steve, uh, that you wish you knew when you had first started? Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. I know, uh, you know, uh, I am so thankful for all the experiences that I had because, uh, you know, I learned from all of them and, and all the mistakes that I did make. But, uh, you know, I, I think that one of the mistakes that so many flippers make, and I'll, I'll speak primarily to that because that's who I surround myself with and I coach a lot of them, is that sometimes we all sit here and we, we just think that, you know, we're going to keep on being able to do this over and over and over again. And, you know, most people build a flipping business uh, with the thought that they're going to make so much money with it that they never have to worry about anything again. But there needs to be a bigger plan than that. And I want to just really, and I, I encourage people today to start thinking toward their future. Um, what's, how am I going to earn a living when I'm no longer flipping? How am I going to, you know, build this into something? You know, flipping is a very high income business for the person who does it well. But all too often, uh, these guys who are doing it well are spending everything they make, and they're not putting some of that money away. They're not keeping maybe every you know, fifth house or so that they do and putting that away maybe as a free and clear rental property. And there are so many deals that I look back on throughout the years that I wish I would have held on to that uh, today those properties are worth so much more. But Back then, I wanted and needed 
I, I lived in such a way where I needed the money and I let go of some of the best pieces of real estate that I picked up so cheap. Um, I can tell you of a house that I bought for $3,000 one time and I sold it to a guy who rehabbed it. I sold it to him for 35000 I bought it for three and then wow. he rehabbed it and sold it for three fifty. Whoa! Uh, uh, <laughs> I've had a couple of uh, uh, stories like that, and uh, you know that was the house that I should have held on to. Mm-hmm. That was the one that should have been a rental in my portfolio that uh, I, I put away. And because I wasn't thinking that way, and I kept thinking that someday I can figure that out, I'll, I'll get that done. Uh, I missed out out a lot of opportunities now. For the record, I have been doing this now for about 20 years, and you know I've been much smarter the second half of my investing career to where I could stop today and I never have to do anything again. However, there were a lot of missed opportunities in the first uh, 10 years, and I would encourage you know others to sort of even have that plan in place. You know, get that plan in place relatively early and start putting away whether it's it's putting just putting money aside or setting a deal aside every once in a while. Um, start looking toward what is it that's going to set you free. Uh, because at the end of the day, flipping is a job that when you stop pursuing it, it doesn't make you money anymore. You, you have to a- actively be working in the business to get your next deal. And uh, unlike other businesses that you can put systems in place, uh, the moment you stop working, your flipping business stops working for you. Absolutely. That's why we tell our, all of our students, never turn your marketing pipeline off because as soon as you do in wholesaling or fix and flipping, you're done. You're 100% yes. done. And, and many people, once they, you know, if they got a great marketing machine in place and they pick up, you know, all of a sudden three or four properties at one time, they stop marketing to focus on those three or four properties. And then it takes a while to get that marketing machine up and running once those properties are disposed of, however it is you're, you're going to deal with them. And uh, so that's why so many people experience those up and down cycles. It's like a roller coaster and you can really begin to smooth out that those, that roller coaster that, uh, you know, guys make a, you know, 50, 60, hundred thousand dollars in a month. And then they don't make anything for four or five months. And then they make 40 grand in a month and then they don't make anything for three months. And uh, that's okay if you anticipate that, but you know, you can't live as though you're going to make 40,000 every month because you did one month and then the following month you don't make anything. Exactly. I've been there, done that. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. we all have, right? And so on that note, I'll just share this. The first thing that I did when I started my business was I started paying myself a payroll. Mm-hmm. And it was very modest. Uh, it was under $2,000 a month. But I lived off of my $2,000 a month. I didn't live off the deal. Mm-hmm. And so I have always, and to this day, we still live off of, of payroll. You know, between my wife and I, we pay ourselves maybe uh, somewhere in the neighborhood, maybe $80,000 a year. And that's what we live off of. And in spite of the fact that I can make more than that in a month, multiple months out of the year, our lifestyle doesn't fluctuate based off of our deals. We live off of that consistent a paycheck that comes in every month and, and budget off of that rather than, you know, living the high life when we close a deal and then two months later trying to figure out how to pay the bills. That's good stuff, man. So see, we have just a few more minutes left in the podcast. Tell us a little bit more about how they can get in contact with you over at Life Air if they want to learn more information about it. And then uh, we'll pretty much wrap the podcast up with some parting words. Well, I, 
I would just encourage everyone just come to lifeandair.com. And now Life and Air is sort of like millionaire, um, but it's L-I-F-E-O-N-A-I-R-E.com. Uh, we have a book that we wrote called Life and Air that really takes people through uh, the story of a couple who was you know, pursuing wealth and, and things like that. And uh, they allowed that to get in the way. Uh, they, they lost sight of the why, and they were more focused on money, which is one of the things that I'm, I'm passionate about getting people focused on you know their relationships and their family and their marriages rather than uh, setting all of that aside uh, in pursuit of money. And the life in our book is just transforming people's businesses and lives. And uh, it's only a $15 book if, you know, that uh, it's not, it's not something that's expensive to get involved in. If you just pick up a copy of the book and read it, I think it will give you a lot of direction and how to fill in the missing pieces toward uh, success in, in this business we call real estate investing. Awesome. Well, Steve, thanks for coming on the show. Any parting words for the Alliance? I just want to encourage all of you who are trying to get up and running to persevere. Uh, keep it going because I've seen so many people give up and quit right before they were getting ready to have that breakthrough. And for those of you who are already doing it and struggling, just get around people who are more successful than you. Learn from them. Pick their brains. Find out how they can help you to tweak your business. You know, I, I've been very blessed in this business and fortunate enough to be able to surround myself with many great people who are willing to reach out and to help. And, uh, you know, we, when, when we all succeed, everybody does better. And uh, there's tons of people out there who will rub shoulders with you and help you to tweak your business and to be more successful with it. Awesome stuff, Steve. Thank you so much for taking time and uh, coming on the, the, the podcast today and sharing your great information with the Alliance. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate you having me. Awesome. You've just listened to another Flipping Real Estate Like the Pros podcast. We'd like to thank you for putting your trust in us to be your guide in this exciting venture called real estate investing. If you want us to expand on a topic you heard here today, or you have a new question of your own, head on over to gregscoaching.youcanbook.me for a free 15-minute coaching call, or you can leave your question in our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes. And as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, head on over to iTunes to review, rate, and subscribe to the show. Be sure to strengthen your own alliance by sharing this podcast. Tune in next week for another expert interview or a great topic. Till then, catch you on the flip side, Alliance.